May 7th. Oh my God, it does exist. Universal Pictures presents A World You Never Imagined. I called the doorway to hell. A mystery you never expected. This man was buried alive. And an adventure you will never forget. Friday at theaters everywhere. Welcome back to the podcast, Old Millennials Remember Movies. I'm Angela Chico here with Tyler Wilson, and we are going back to 1999, Tyler. Yeah. Yep. Was yeah. that supposed to be a cue to some kind of the song or something? I pointed at you. Oh. Oh. Well, you're playing something else now. <laughs> well, you know YouTube in their uh, autoplay. Autoplay. Yeah, we're going back to 1999 to a gem of a movie called The Mummy. Listen, I was trying to find a trailer, a TV spot that had more Brandon Fraser quips in it. Yeah. But they were all bad air, uh, audio quality. Oh. So. You know what? You always say sorry. that. And then whenever you say it, you make a comment about. You're going to have a better one. Yes. Yeah. That's Therefore, fine. Whatever, making your comment null and void. I love it when you, uh, after the fact, do things to make me look dumb. I appreciate ah, that. Yes, I find that a great challenge. Yeah, yeah. Because you always are so smart. It's very hard oh, to make you look dumb. Oh. <laughs> what was that? Just don't, I don't take compliments kindly. Oh. You know what I haven't done in a while? What? Is share with our listening audience what you're wearing. It's a, called the What's Tyler Wearing to the Podcast today. Do we do that? Uh, this is maybe the only time you've ever done no, it. No, I always comment on the shirt you're wearing. Oh. Today you're wearing, a, it's got Ninja Turtles, but it says Shell City. And it's in the style of like Sin City. Yeah. Remember that movie, Sin City? God, yeah, that was gonna, a comic series, right? That's going to yeah. be one we could put on the podcast because it's so long it's ago. 2005 or six. I know. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. No. Yeah. That's cool because it's got red masked turtles. So, yeah, I don't know. This is really interesting. Uh, it audio. is. So depending on when you're listening to this episode, it could be Halloween because you're like in the Halloweeny mood, but not for us. We're recording this in the middle of summer, which well, matches up to when this movie came out because yeah. it's a summer blockbuster. Yeah, it's not. That's the thing about this movie. Like, uh, it's really not like because it's a mummy. It's a classic universal monster. Right. But like for whatever reason, this franchise has turned into uh, blockbuster goofy action and then they you know they tried to reboot it again with Tom Cruise that did not go so well yes. um so yeah. and we will talk about that mm -hmm. so on the topic of summer blockbusters we've watched a summer blockbuster this week with our kids a little movie called Jurassic World Dominion oh this is the part of the episode where we talk about what we're watching or what we've been watching yeah so we've so, been watching Jurassic World Dominion yeah. and listen I was already before I saw the movie was already playing the the um the story thing of the Jurassic World Evolution game which gives away some of the uh underground tunneling and so I like all that stuff, regardless of whatever you say, because I got to do it in the game. Yeah, you now, kept making these comments throughout yeah. the movie, like that's in the game. Oh, that's in the game. You, get to, you know, they I like the the new the new uh pack has like invisible fences and there's like herding and then there's like observatories that you don't have to connect with paths they go underground like in the movie and do, it's very fun do other people play this game is this like a popular game you know i look on uh the youtube for like when, when the reviews come out or what people are doing on there and it tends to be a lot of british people oh so maybe it's a really popular uh game in in britain and not so much here i don't know so you're the only dude playing it no over here? i think it it's good does well i don't know they made who's, this is a sequel game so the first this, one sold what well. kind of game is this and it's like a park for? builder you build a jurassic park and you have the dinosaurs and it's very like uh you can make realistic you know they look really good and you put them in the park huh yeah 
I have my hand raised. Uh, is it like Roller Coaster Tycoon? Yes. That only with Jurassic Park. I, I was trying to connect it for our old millennials. Like, if you like Roller Coaster Tycoon and dinosaurs. Yeah, and the difference is, is like when you don't manage your park well, the dinosaurs break out and eat people. Dude, which is fun. show you eating the people? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's part of it. Are children allowed in your park? Yeah. Do the dinosaurs eat children? Not, no. They don't eat kids. Just adults? You know, I don't really, I'm trying to think if they even have little kid, I don't think they have little kid characters walking around, so that's probably good. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I've never, I do play it when the kids are around, but I usually have, like, escapes off, so they're not eating, they're not going after people. So, because once you, like, when you go into sandbox, you can turn off all the escapes and stuff. I was kind of horrified the other night when you were like, oh, yeah, I put these two dinosaurs together and I made them fight to see who would survive. You know, we watched that scenario in Camp Cretaceous, and now you've become one of the villains in your own park. Well, that, they don't make approve. animations for this stuff, and it's that's where a lot of, the, like, cool dinosaur animation comes from, the combat. So you you're making see what's them going fight. On. You're yeah. pitting them. You're trapping them in a zone and making them fight. You're an evil park owner. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're owning it. Most for the most part I like to keep the dinosaurs happy in their pens. Yeah. But So we <laughs> had shown the kids Jurassic Park. Yeah. They passed the test and that they liked the movie because they knew if they didn't that you would kick them out of the house. Right. And, and they've so seen Camp Cretaceous. They've seen Camp Cretaceous. So they know enough, but like to me I feel like Jurassic World and the other Jurassic Park sequels and Fallen Kingdom are all a little violent and grisly, whereas I knew that Dominion is oddly light on Carnage, um, despite being like two and a half hours. Like, the last... There's one death in the second half of the movie, and it's a kind of off-camera. And but then the other ones are just kind of like bad guys that get like kind of partly eaten off to the side. Like, it's not hardly A couple hardly people anything. get fully eaten. Yeah, but it's like not... Like, not it, anyone you know. It, like, to the point of like... like the, the I mean, there's it's no violence. There's more gun violence in the movie than there are like dinosaur violence. And the way they get eaten is uh, fast. So it's like the yeah. tension isn't like as horrifying. Like they definitely were like saying like, we know kids are going to this one. I don't know. It's it's just weird that like Jurassic World, that one is like the grisliest of all of them. <laughs> so that night after we watched uh, Jurassic World Dominion, I showed our oldest 11 year old uh, the trailer for Jurassic World just to say like, oh, this is kind of what you missed. And I was like, well, oh, they see? know the story from the Camp Cretaceous because that takes place concurrently with Jurassic World. But yeah. So ahead. I was like, yeah, see, this was in Camp Cretaceous. Didn't miss much. And then she makes the most funny comment. She's like, like, oh, this looks just like the movie we just watched. There's lots of running from dinosaurs, and that's about it. She's not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, oh, that guy's on a motorcycle again. Yeah, that's what he does. Overall, did you like this final third installment of Jurassic World? I am a Jurassic World, well, Jurassic Park apologist, and so... There are elements that I enjoyed as, like, a super fan, because I can find things to defend about all of them. I recognize that this is not a very good movie. Um, it's very... It's got two storylines going on for some reason, one of which is clone girl shit from the last movie that I did not care for. So that's a lot going on. I like my legacy cre uh, creatures. <laughs> legacy characters of Alan Grant, Ellie Sattler, and, and uh, Ian Malcolm coming back. I recognize that it is just pure nostalgia drip that they're just trying to feed us. At least uh, Sam Neill and Laura Dern are given a storyline, and so yeah. it doesn't seem... They're actually in the movie. They get yeah. to do some stuff. Jeff Goldblum is there mostly to be quippy at the end, and that's kind of a little bit of where this like referential stuff comes from a bit. But um, I, I enjoy that, so it's fine. So it's, it didn't bother me as much as, as some things. I feel like even Jurassic World is more reverential than this one. Um, but I mean, the plot is really stupid. And for some reason, listen, I can understand why there are a lot of like negative reactions to this one. Because the last movie 
<laughs> the Haunted Mansion movie, like, that's crazy, kind of not a great choice. But, like, at least it ended with the idea of, like, the dinosaurs are out. They're going to be out in the world. And this movie starts with that, but then, like, by about the halfway point, we're just on basically up in a park area where there's not a lot of interaction with, like, the real world, you know what I mean? And so I think, like, for people that were, like, hoping for the promise of, like, the dinosaurs out in the world, there's not a lot of that here. It's, it was very peripheral on the, like, oh, there's reports of this and news reports. It wasn't it's actually, done in like, like there, a, yeah, there's a no storyline, yeah. significant storyline of... Uh, yeah, the only thing, in the city, like in yeah, the only thing that's right that, that's like that is this like chase through like Malta, which I is really dumb because it goes back to this idea of like laser pointers, raptor trained laser pointers, where they like point a laser at someone and the raptor chases them. To which I would just say like, if you have a laser pointed at someone, I think a gun would probably be a little bit more effective in killing that person than having a raptor chase after you. But that's okay. Um, yeah, because <laughs> the laser has to be on there long enough for one the raptor to see it and yeah. pick up their scent. So it's not even that convenient. Like, you have to have, like, a raptor around you. And, yeah, if you're sitting there and holding a laser on someone's heart for five seconds, you could have probably just shot and killed them. Probably. But, um, you know, you get, uh, you know, a Jason Bourne scene and a motorcycle scene yeah, with dinosaurs, it and it's fine. And I, I think that there are enough sequences of, like, dinosaur action to kind of offset the stupidness of it a little bit. To all to say, like, I don't think it's a good movie. Uh, for being a Jurassic uh, Park fan, it was fine. <laughs> I'm not going to hate on it like a lot of uh, people. I enjoyed it. Good. <laughs> I thought that there was... I didn't, like... I was a little annoyed that there... I wasn't annoyed that there were two storylines. I just felt like the uh, the two main characters from the series, whatever their names are... Well, they, that's the problem. They've never been... Like, I don't care about them. Like, I, I don't... I didn't mind the storyline. I didn't mind, like, oh, they have to go save the girl, and they have to go here, and there's some bad guys. That's fine. I liked all that. But I could have done that with, like, Alan Grant. Yeah. Sally. Well, that's the thing. Like, we were talking about this off mic yesterday a little bit. Like, because people had a negative reaction to how Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard's characters were in the first movie, you know, she's, like, a stuffy businesswoman who wears high heels the whole movie, and he's kind of a chauvinist pig. Mm -hmm. Like... And fine, like, that's not great characterization, but at least it was something. Because mm -hmm. after that, they took the criticism, I guess, of those characters and just made them basically blank slates. They really don't have a whole lot to do in either of these, this, these two sequels, and they don't feel like much of a character other than, like, Chris Pratt putting his hand out to stop a dinosaur, which I think is too a terrible much. idea. It's too much. It works with the one you trained, I guess, but, like, yes. it doesn't work with all the dinosaurs, so just, it's, you're going to get your hand bit off. One does, like, sla slash at him. It's blue, though. He's mad. And, you know, there's promises to dinosaurs, and just because you make a joke about it doesn't mean that's not dumb. Uh, <laughs> so it's just, it's a dumb movie, but, I mean, I like dinosaurs. I, I honestly didn't hate all the uh, clone girl stuff. There was a point, though, when It was were... better than the last movie's clone yeah. girl stuff, but... There was a point when they were, like, explaining it, and I got confused, and then you got confused, yeah. and then we watched a couple more minutes, and then our 11-year-old clarified it for us, and I was like, oh, thank you, now I understand, because... Well, and it's just weird that, like, this movie is... <laughs> Also, like, suddenly the big bad is not the dinosaurs. It's, like, these locusts that are new to this movie, and that's a whole thing. And we have the Dr. Wu character, which swung to be super evil in these movies, is now just, like, remorseful. And it's just, it's a mess. It's a messy movie. Um, but like I said, you got Sam Neill. You got Laura Dern. I think those two are trying. I think Jeff Goldblum just seems to be tickled that he's participating. Yes, and so... I like the new character played by uh, DeWanda Wise. Oh, she's good, yeah. And I think she's the only one that actually has a real like personality that was not established in a previous movie so that's mm -hmm. helpful yeah. um yeah. yeah no i guess she's good that seems to be like what they're gonna 
Like, they say this is the end of the Jurassic... No, they'll figure out a way to make another movie, and something tells me that, like, that's partly, like, set up for, like, no, this is a character that you remember from Jurassic. It's yes. this lady. Also, the other... This um, pilot that should have nothing to do with dinosaurs after this point, but we'll find a way to make her do something. There was also, like, the assistant who, like, yeah, helped okay. him. Like, yeah. I think he, he could... He could show up again and people wouldn't be mad. I don't know. It's fine. I, it's hard for me to defend it except for that, like, just to know that I'm a Jurassic fan. And so I, I find things to like in all of the sequels, despite them all being kind of... Uh. My <laughs> favorite moment of the movie was uh, when one of the vehicles got upside down and they were all running around it. And our eight-year-old was like, oh, it's the upside down car scene. Yeah. See, and that's a lot of... I mean, there's a lot of that going on in this, right? Yeah. Like, and for having only seen Jurassic Park once, the fact that he was able to, like... Remember that and connected. I was like, yes. Some of it's really comical, too, because there's one point where they're like trying to hide from a dinosaur from an upside down car. And the difference being that, like, in the first movie, it's like two kids and then one adult. In this movie, it's nine characters. It's like like a party of 20. (laughs) And they're like unafraid to like kill it. And I, you know, listen, that's fine. I don't necessarily want you to like kill off characters to kill off characters. But like, it's kind of comical to see nine people hiding. Running around. (laughs) Or eight. And then eight, it's probably eight. No, yeah. it's sick. Well, six. It's Chris Pratt, Bryce Dallas, it's Laura Dern, Sam Neill, Jeff Goldblum, <laughs> Dewanda Wise, uh, Ramsey, and Doctor Wu. There's uh-huh. nine people behind that stupid car. Yeah, yeah that's nine. <laughs> it's insane. That's too many characters running around in your final, final sequence. Yeah, and I think the the extra characters pu- pulls from the plot. My favorite part about the movie, though, is a three minute scene where Claire doesn't matter why she's in the jungle alone and she but has to hide. Clone girl. No, 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 Claire, uh, Bryce Dallas oh, Howard. Oh, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. She's got to hide from what I would call is a jerk Edward oh, Scissorhands yeah. dinosaur. Mm-hmm. And he's a, a herbivore. She, She's a herbivore, but she's got long claws. And his yeah. character trait is that he's a, she, she's a dick. Yeah. She's a dickhead. With Edward Scissorhands. Yeah, and she's just like, oh, this deer's in my way. Kick. And she doesn't like uh, Claire walking around in her area, so she's going to take care of it. And I like that. Very I like that there's violent. this dick this dick dinosaur in the middle of the I think it's pretty presumptuous in these movies that it's like, oh, the herbivores are just, like, non... not violent. Well, Julianne Moore nearly gets staked to death by the Stegosaurus at the beginning of Lost World, so... But that's when, like, stuff's happening. Because she's fucking around. God damn Exactly. Stuff's happening. Otherwise, they're they're depicted as these, like, non-violent... We're gonna talk about a character in The Mummy that's, like, a lot like Julianne Moore in The Lost World. Just someone's fucking around for no reason and making everything worse. Quit fucking around. Okay. (laughs) Let's talk about some other movies we watched. Okay. But, yeah, that was our, our blockbuster. That, you can, that's still in theaters, but you can rent it now. Excellent. Um, we <coughs> also, with the kids, watched um, an animated film on Netflix called The Sea Beast. And you never know what you're going to get with these Netflix animations. Yeah, I had heard that... Um... You okay? You're choking over there. <laughs> get it, just get it up, bud. Um I had kind of at least read a little bit that this was like a co-director on Moana, a longtime Disney animator who jumped over to Netflix to do this. So at least there was some pedigree there and they seem to be marketing it like they care about it, unlike some of their other projects. So yeah, it seemed like it was worth tuning in for anyway. Yeah, we started the trailer because we were trying to decide if we want to watch it. We were showing the trailer and it was like from the makers of Moana and the trailer was like, this is Moana. It was like the same beats. Well, it's same... ocean set, right? Yeah. And it's like the same. I was like, ah, turn this trailer Not musical this is like just an adventure movie yeah i I feel like the trailer was a disservice to and it showed way too much and i think that the trailer also doesn't do the animation justice because it kind of focuses on the character models and i think that those 
have a unique style that just takes a little getting used to. Because I think if you glance at it, you're like, oh, that's not very good. Mm-hmm. But then it's just like, well, it's a style. And then everything else in the movie is actually very, really well animated. Yes. And so I would say it's it's really nicely animated. It's just that, like, in the trailer, you get a sense that, like, why the humans look like that? But it, it once you're used to that, it, it all fits pretty well. Yes. I did see some criticism about, like, oh, they didn't put as much animation or details into some of, like, the island details. However... Sure. If that meant that they put more money into these sea creatures to make them look good, totally worth it, because well, they did look good. And I mean, there is a difference. I, I'm going to guess that this didn't cost like the $200 million that the Lightyear movie ca- ca- uh, costs for Pixar, because Pixar, their standards are so high, but also that comes with this like price tag of like putting in all that detail. And so, you know, if there's a little bit of that, they're just cutting corners to save millions of dollars, and I guess how I much, understand. Uh, how much does a Pixar movie I mean, a Pixar run? movie typically runs like $200 million. That's kind of the standard number. It's very high. Um, and that's why people are like, you know, arm ringing about like you're not making much money at the box office, even though the last three movies have not even been in theaters. So, um, you know, whatever. But... Yeah, I, I was think trying to look up the budget, but it's not coming. The CB, yeah, I mean Netflix is not. They like to brag oddly about their Gray Man movie costing two hundred million dollars that comes out this week. What is week. that? It's like an action movie with Ryan Gosling, and I don't know why they're bragging about it costing two hundred million dollars. Because to me, it just sets up you watching it and being like, "Wow, they spent two hundred million dollars on this." <laughs> you got ripped off. Kind of like how Red Notice was that their most expensive movie, the The Rock and Ryan Reynolds movie. That's pretty actively bad. And it's like, wow, you guys spent a lot of money for this to look kind of cheap looking. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> so, yeah, there's anyway. no estimated budget for the Sea Beast. Anyway, yeah. the Sea Beast is kind of a... I, what I liked about it was it was very much like a... Kind of like a Pirates of the Caribbean type adventure. Only for kids especially. Because the Pirates of the Caribbean movies are kind of like not really for kids. They're pretty violent and there's a lot of... You know, killing and I mean, in Jesus, the third movie, there's like a kid hanging at the beginning of the movie. So, mm-hmm. you know, they're not really like kid movies, whereas this is like, a, you know, it's about an orphan and like a, a kind of a, a cripply old uh, sea captain and his young first mate. And, you know, they're they're living in a world where they're hunting sea beasts and maybe they maybe they shouldn't. Maybe they should not. And I don't know. It, it, it's kind of a familiar story, but it was well told and um, it was exciting and had kind of fun adventure action and vibe. Yeah, I thought it was great because it featured a kid character that kids could relate to in, like, a Pirates uh, scenario. Yeah. Yeah. I really, really liked it. But it wasn't Pirates. They weren't, like, looting. They were just, like, fighting creatures. Yeah, they're fighting sea creatures. But you know what I mean. They're on... It's that same era. They're on boats. They're very swashbuckling. There's cannons, swords, Mm -hmm. you know, that kind of thing. I thought it was very cool. Good Um, voice casting, actually, which is pretty... Like, it's not anybody... Like, it's Carl Urban. It's Jared Harris. No celebrities. Well, they're celebrities, but they're not, like, you know... It's not Julia Roberts, George Clooney, you know, not like that kind of, um, you know, it's more of a, like, finding the right voice for the for the character kind of deal, which is nice, typically like that Pixar kind of Disney model sometimes, which is good, and then, um, yeah, no, I thought it was uh, familiar, but enjoyable. Yes, I would agree. So, yeah. What else did we watch? Oh, you were you watched a few things on your own here. I did. Uh, let's see. RRR. Oh, RRR. Okay, so RRR is this. Oh, should I plug my ears? Because I will watch this. It is an Indian film that was a huge blockbuster over there. They put it in theaters here for a little bit. It is now on Netflix. Now, they changed the language on it. Like It's in a, like another language, and then they dubbed it over in Hindi. So it's the word, the mouths don't necessarily match, but there's, you still have to read the subtitles because it's not in English, right? Okay. So that's a little weird. Um, it's three hours long, and it's about two historical, like real life historical revolutionaries that were fighting off like the British in India. 
And this, but this is a fictional story where these, what if these two guys met and then they had like adventures or they were kind of like adversaries against each other for a little while. And it is just insane. You've got animals, vicious animals running around, some of which the CGI is not great. You've Mm -hmm. got like multiple martial arts uh, battles with insane props. People are using motorcycles as like swords. Uh, uh, there's musical numbers in like true Bollywood style that are just like exciting and they go on forever and they just keep getting bigger and bigger. Everything about this movie is huge. It's like it puts so much of like the blockbuster model that we see in our movies to shame. It's just mm-hmm. like you guys want a lot of stuff. We're going to throw a lot of stuff out there. And I think it does a, like it has pretty good. There's kind of two storylines going on here and they, mm-hmm. they, they are interacting. So they're together a lot of the time, but they have two pretty like full story arcs and character arcs and then they have a conflict with each other so like the story is actually pretty good Mm -hmm. and like it's pretty satisfying to see them go through all this um but then it's just like everything else is really over the top so i think it's like good acting thoughtful story and then over the top everything else and it's just so much fun i i loved it you were so loud watching this Uh, my jaw was just dropping you were laughing you were like oh my god look at this it's you so were fun. so excited. So I would recommend that to, to anyone. It is long, but man, I felt like it breezed by. Um, what's your guess on what it took to make that movie? Because I do have the budget guess for this. One. I know it was a lot because they had to shut it down multiple times uh. because of COVID. So they were like doing it, not in had to stop, brought it back up, had to stop. So I'm going to guess a lot of money. Like 100 what? million. 72 million. Which but is a lot for that kind of, you know, for it's a, overseas movie. It's boxed so far 150 to 160 million. Yeah, in India. It made a little bit of money here. No one really, that's fine. Nobody really knew about it. But So we can watch it on Netflix. There's uh, a little bit of subtitles. a weird dub, but it's it's fine. Like, you're reading the subtitles anyway. There's also some English in it because the British are like the, the bad guys. So... They're in there talking British. <laughs> what year is it set in? Uh, 1920-ish. So kind oh, of like okay. that. So then you also have this like Indiana Jones-ish era a little yeah. bit. 20s, 30s. And so there's that vibe um, and that look a little bit. Uh, yeah. Would Other you... than like some like questionable CGI tigers, I'm like on board with all of like the staging. So you did watch this on a very small device. Oh, but I put it. Well, no, I the first half I did because I was trying to start it in there in the day. And I stuck my phone so close to my freaking eyes that it was like watching the big screen. And then I watched the second half after everybody went to bed. Would you night. watch it again? Yeah. With me? Yeah. Like, how soon? Whenever. That's a, that's a good sign that you <laughs> yeah. enjoyed it. Yeah, I watch it whenever. Were you drunk when you watched no. it? No. Like, is this an accurate uh, response? It's, well, it's been well received. Like, I'm not the only person that's been trumping it. Are the movie makers Trumpeting known outside it? of India? I'm, mm, I don't think so. No, probably not. Cool. Um, yeah. Awesome. Great. I'll put RR, that one recommend. on my list. Recommend. Do you even remember what else you watched uh, after that? Oh, yeah. Sunday? I think I wrote down a couple more things, a couple more like streaming titles. I watched Fire Island, which is like, it stars. The writer is the main star, and then Bowen Yang is the kind of secondary lead, and he's from like a Saturday Night Live, um, kind of the, the new breakout. All the good people have now left Saturday Night Live, but he's one of the kind of the new people that are kind of taking the lead to the forefront of that show, right? And mm-hmm. so. It's like a bunch of uh, uh, gay men who are friends. They go on a vacation every year to this island, and it's just kind of like, you know, it's supposed to be this time for them to connect just as friends, but also to maybe find romance or find a good time, whatever. Um, Margaret Cho is like they're like the only female in the movie. She's like their 
friend that's like that she owns the house that they stay at and everything mm-hmm. and she's very funny and then like it it is like it and it, i think it is directly like adapt like they even credit the adaptation to pride and prejudice so it turns into this like romance of nice. kind of like an unlikely what you know the main character thinks is kind of a jerkish dude to someone that they you know they start actually connecting with and so it's actually it's pretty funny i think it's charming um yeah i i i for I was welcome. I thought it was really, really well done, actually. 105 minutes. Oh, nice. Yeah. Like hour and a half movie. Funny. Um, funny. And, it, you know, it does the Pride and Prejudice story pretty well. I enjoyed it. So that's on Hulu. You can watch that uh, anytime. Because I think the, the title Fire Island seems like it's going to be like maybe a party heavy type movie. I thought movie. it was like the documentary about that one thing. The party, fire. What oh, Firefest. There's been, like <laughs> two documentaries on that, yeah. right? And then so there's a like, volcano documentary that I saw this year that's out. That's like fire or something, yeah, I think. Yeah, so I was like, Fire Island. Oh, that's no, a party. It, it, well, you see, the, if you see like it on the Hulu screen, it looks like it's a big party movie, and it really isn't. Like, oh, okay. it, it really settles down into... Um, Is it funny? Yeah, I think it's funny. I think it has a... I think Bowen Yang and then the supporting cast is pretty pretty solid, so, yeah. Is he coming back to SNL? He is. The, he's one that's coming back, yeah. He's not big-timing him? No. He's an Emmy nominee now, too, for SNL. I think it was last year, too, actually. Um, yeah, anyway. So I like that. That's on Hulu. And then the other one I didn't really love was Spiderhead on Netflix. Okay. And I guess that's based on a book that I wasn't really familiar with, but it stars Chris Hemsworth as this, like, kind of offbeat scientist who's, like, studying, like, pharmaceutical drugs on a population. Chris Hemsworth? Hemsworth, So Thor. Uh, He's testing it on, like, uh, inmates in, like, this low-security prison, and it's, like, in the middle of nowhere on, like, an island, essentially. And Miles Teller is one of the um, inmates, and they're testing drugs that are, like, aphrodisiacs, so that, and but also they have, like, pain ones or, like, truth-telling serum-type drugs. And Chris Hemsworth is playing this... He's just a wacky like rich corporate guy and you think he's not you know he's just working there but obviously it comes pretty apparent that he's like the owner of this whole thing ah jeez um it's kind of intriguing for a little while like what he's doing is mildly entertaining for a bit i don't really like miles teller but he's fine in it um and was chris hemsworth used appropriately that's the thing like they he definitely had like an idea of what he wanted to do and like whatever based the characters on it's just it's kind of one note it just kind of turns into just him doing the same thing and then the, the weird thing about the movie is about with about 40 minutes to go it kind of tries to do this thing where it's like trying to be gaggy like jokey mm-hmm. but like a thriller element of them trying to like escape the couple characters mm-hmm. and it just is a weird tone and it doesn't really come together and um I know it just it feels thin like it, for a little while it's interesting and it you know you kind of are hooked by the premise and you wonder about, I don't know, even like the characters, like Miles Teller obviously is like, well, he's sad about what he did. And mm-hmm. so we have to like sp- spread this out for an hour of like, what really happened? Why? What did, What was his real crime? Blah, blah, blah. And there's another character they do that with. And it's just like, we're, we know. Like, he, we know he's regretful about this. His someone died that he loved, whatever. Like, Why is it called Spiderhead? <laughs> it's the name of the prison. <laughs> oh, there's not like a spider that they put on their heads? No spider. No. Um, Follow up question. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm looking at some images of Chris Hemsworth from the movie Spiderhead, and a question for you: Do, do his glasses deserve a, a credit? Because uh, they look significant. Well, yeah, I mean that's the thing. He's like, I'm a scientist. He's like, like I'm, I'm wearing these gold glasses. And I listen. I think that for whenever whenever someone decided Thor should be funny in the Marvel movies has kind of been good for Chris mm-hmm. Hemsworth, who's been kind of like stuck in stillness a little bit if he doesn't get to be lighthearted. I think he's like the best the funniest thing about that Ghostbusters movie that he made. Um he's very funny as Thor when they give him that stuff and 
Um, so yeah, I mean, I get it. It's just that like the character is really thin, and then it, you know, I, I it, he's just doing one. It's pretty one note. Like Darn. it doesn't give him much else to do other than. I'm going to dance around because I'm a cool eccentric, you know, I don't know. And at any point, did you want to punch Miles Teller in the face? No, Miles, no. I. You said that he's punchable. He has a punchable face, mostly because of the stuff he says outside of his movies, but like. What? Uh, no, he's just a, he's, he's just a turd, a little bit of he's a turd, just a little bit of a, whatever, a little, little sassy. He's fine in this. I know people like him in Top Gun. So, well, he's, do they though? Do they like him in Top Gun Maverick or do they just like Tom, Tom Cruise? I think they probably just like Tom he's Cruise. He's in Top Gun. He's like the second lead. Yeah. Is he the new, new, uh, he's Top Gun? Goose's son. You never Goose who died. What? No, I, what? Goose <laughs> died? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, he's got a, there's ad for, you know, they're combating, you know, whatever. Did you see that movie? No. I'll see it eventually. I don't care. I know it's a huge hit, but like, I, I, I'll i see it eventually. Is it's it fine. out to see? No. Is it in theaters? Oh, yeah. Well, it's made so much money. Oh. It's not huge, out huge to hit. see on huge digital, hit. though? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's fine. Whatever. <laughs> I'm we, sure it's good. I just, I'll watch it eventually. I just, we did an episode we of Top reviewed, Gun. Yeah, we talked about it. And I'm really ambivalent about Top Gun in general. So, like, I don't, I don't dislike it. I don't love it. I'm just like, whatever. I think that I only loved it because I was told to love it. Oh. Mm. You know, it was like, oh, well, we're living in the 90s. I'm excited to see, like, the... Because I know that Tom Cruise is crazy, so he'll put himself in a plane and just do crazy shit. So that... That's something. I'll watch that. You do have a very, like, dance monkey dance relationship with uh, Tom Cruise. You're like, I... You gotta be careful. They they will find us and hunt us down. I only appreciate him because, like, he does his own stunts, so, like, perform for me, We're not gonna... We're not criticizing him on this podcast. I don't want to get a creepy letter from somebody. Thank you. Well... We're not doing it! (laughs) Okay. Well, that wraps up the portion of the up the uh, podcast. Spiderhead's on Netflix. It's whatever. Here's our recap of what we've been watching. We watched Jurassic World Dominion. You gotta finish the series if you've started it. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. The Sea Beast. Worth watching with your kids. That's good. Yeah. I enjoyed it as an adult watching it too. I think it's the second best animated movie of the year after Turning Red. So how about that? Oh, Turning Red was so long ago. It was March. Hard to remember. Yeah. And then you watch RRR, which I can Great. watch on Hulu. No, Netflix. Netflix. Fire Island, I can watch Hulu. on Hulu. And Spiderhead, which... Uh, Netflix. I, like, does he take his shirt off at any point? I don't think so. Ugh. If you're going to use Crimson Hemsworth... He does in that new Thor movie. That's in the trailers, so there you go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When's, when do I get to watch that one? It's out. But, okay. You know, maybe we'll go to the drive-in and see it. I don't know. Ooh. <laughs> All right. Let's... Uh, Buckle up and uh, get into the the DeLorean and go back to 1999 here. It's not a very far trip, but here we go. It's not very far? Well, 99. You may feel like that's not very it's far, that's years over ago. 20 years well, ago. Well, the CGI definitely looks about 23 years old, I'll tell you that. Whoa. <laughs> you know, you just gotta watch yourself, Tyler. It's not as okay. bad as the sequel with the, the Dwayne Johnson scorpion man that's in the... Calm down. Okay. We will get to that. Yeah. Let's start off with The Mummy from 1999 with What Do You Remember? This is the part of the episode where we write what we remember. Mm-hmm. I wrote what I remember. You did. I, I You actually dictated it to me, oh, so I have I, it. You know, I enjoy doing that, mm-hmm. except that yeah. the kids are usually listening when we do that, and uh, I don't always want them to hear, so I have to like clean it up a little. Anyway, here's what I remember, uh, and Tyler's going to read it. So Angie us. remembers, and this is exactly what she told me. I wrote down verbatim. There's a mummy who wants to resu- resurrect some lady, so he needs a body. So it's Brendan Fraser who has to save this lady, and the mummy is some bald guy dark eyebrows yeah that's it pretty much nailed it <laughs> so those, i wrote those those eyebrows are severe yeah i got thick eyebrows that's fine 
I got thick eyebrows. Yeah. Yours aren't dark, though, so they sort of blend into your face better. His are, I recall them being very, like, significant. It feels racist. It does not feel racist <laughs> to say that a guy with no hair on their on their on their face. I think you're racist. And head. Okay. I I wrote uh Brendan. Don't call me racist. <laughs> anyway, okay, sorry. Brendan Fraser is a swashbuckling adventurer in this movie. Yeah. That's more Indiana Jones than classic Universal Monster movie. Yeah. But that's okay because we've got an extremely charming lead, late nineties CGI, and a breakout role for Rachel Weiss. Yeah. So then the other thing I was going to say, I wrote a little bit of notes this, but not like formally, is that um, I was pretty... So this came out in 99. We're in high school. Mm -hmm. And I was oddly excited about it. Not oddly, I guess, because really my first introduction to Universal Monsters, oddly, was The Mummy. It was a character that I really liked. And I saw saw that old 30s movie before I'd seen Dracula or Frankenstein. Uh, I think even like an elementary school teacher like showed us part of it or something because no. we were studying like Egyptian things and they showed us a part of the movie that wasn't like because they're not like they're all like uh, during a period in Hollywood where they had to you know be careful what yeah, they're showing. Yeah, it wasn't like super violent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I was into it then and to the point where I think even in like fifth grade I was a mummy for Halloween. I like made a suit and tied like we used cloth to like wrap it and pin it on something. It was pretty fun. My mom helped me with that project. That was pretty oh, good. Yeah. Um, so I've loved that um, that movie and kind of that era, and it kind of opened my opened the door for because I I do I'm a, I'm a kind of a fan of the Universal monsters. I think objectively speaking, I think Dracula and Frankenstein are better movies. Um, but after that, I would slot the the original Mummy in there, and I I kind of like those weird. Uh, uh, Christopher Lee ones in the 70s that they made that are uh, Dracula they did a mummy one and those are all on like HBO Max you can kind of rewatch a lot of those what was that mummy movie we watched with the kids oh, that was under that's a Disney channel original under yeah. wraps was and that they, what it was and yeah. then we watched like the new uh, they made an updated version we watched it during Halloween right and then yeah. we talked about it yeah, yeah sure so, um, yeah, I liked that. Now, when you go in, so go, going into The Mummy, and then remember seeing the trailers, which we saw that commercial, it did not seem like a horror movie. And boy, isn't it not a horror movie. It is very loud, very busy. And upon watching it this time, realizing that, like, thousands of people are getting killed in this movie all the time. Oh, it's, yeah. It's excessive. But I remember, like... Going to see it maybe with some friends and everybody's like, oh man, that was pretty dumb. And I was just like, I don't know, man. Like it's all right, Brendan Fraser. Um, and I'm I'm really glad nowadays that like there's a Brendan Fraser reassessment. People uh, like him again, and he's coming back into movies, which I'm excited about. Like, why and when did anyone not like? Him? He was, you know, he's a big. He kind of plays like a big personality, like goofball in a lot of his movies. And for some reason, during a cynical period of the world or time. It was cool to kind of knock on that. And then he made a couple kitty movies that weren't great, sure. Um, but, like, I think now, especially in these dark, dark times of 2022, we can kind of appreciate, like, the goofy charm of Brendan Fraser again. And I like that. I like that he's... Because I think he's good in most things he's in, actually. And I think he is the thing that keeps this movie afloat. Yeah, this this movie does not exist without This him. is, like, all-star, like, A-level star work done by Brendan Fraser to yeah. keep this lumbering, like, CGI vest alive. Yeah, he, he handles the writing. Yeah. Whoever the... Oh, let's do some high stats. Okay. Want to do good. some high stats? Yeah. Okay, we're talking about The Mummy that uh, that came out in May something, right? You said like May? First week of May, May 7th. May sure. 7th, 1999. Mm-hmm. It clocks in at 100... It two hours and four minutes. Yeah, that's a little long. That's a little long. Mm-hmm. It's PG-13. Yeah, oh yeah. 
It is uh, directed by Stephen Summers. Stephen Summers made, before this, a movie called Deep Rising, which is kind of a cheesy horror movie kind of thing. And then his career kind of scuttled after he made The Mummy Returns, which was not as well-received as this. And then he made Van Helsing with Hugh Jackman, which was a giant financial disaster. Fabulous, amazing, awesome movie. It was a disaster, and it makes makes The Mummy look like a masterpiece. (laughs) Van Helsing's great. It's not. If you watch that thing, you have this random memory of that being something. It is not. Oh, no, I'm sure it's terrible. I just, you know, have a terrible, guilty, soft spot, blind spot. For vampires. Like, literally every Underworld movie is better than that movie. It's a bummer, because Hugh Jackman I love, and yeah, I love vampires. It's a mess. So it's like, it's just like, it should happen. It should work. It's a mess. Yeah, so Stephen Summers also wrote this mm-hmm. movie. Clearly, like, definitely going for an Indiana Jones thing. So the rest of the cast, you can let's keep going yes. with that. Sorry. Uh, Brendan Fraser, obviously. Yep. Rachel Weiss. Yep. That's kind of her breakout role, really. Um, yep. Kind of she became more of an A-list star after this. And she'd win an Oscar pretty quickly after that. Constant Gardner's only like 2003 Okay. Maybe maybe that's later. I'm not sure. but I could click it and look, but... Yeah. She's, eh. a, good, she's a great actress. She is. It's weird to see her in this. She's not bad in the movie, but we'll talk about her character. Okay. I was going to start and then, okay. Yeah. Uh, John Hanna. John Hanna is like the brother who's jokey and... Yeah, he's like cast as like, oh, we'll play you as like the funny, comedic, not necessary. He's a completely superfluous character that's only and here to make like, quips. It's like when you're going to use a comedic, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A sidekick? Whatever, you know, the person that... Comic relief? Yeah, that, yeah. that, comic relief. It's, you actually have to need a comic relief, and this movie doesn't really need a comic relief. This is after You he's, already have Brennan Fraser. Isn't he the lead in that Gwyneth Paltrow movie, Sliding Doors? Yes. And so that's kind of like, okay, maybe this guy will be something, and then and then he does these, and that's and pretty then, much it for yeah. John Hanna, right? It's kind of a bummer. Yeah. Anyway, uh, and then we have The Mummy, played by Arnold Vosloo. Yep. Emotep. Emotep. He's got uh, the look. If nothing else, visually great performance. Looks I agree. Like the, looks like a good mummy villain. Can do the nefarious face as well. Memorable. Yeah. Like when I close my eyes and think of like I was able yeah. to visualize. He's him. got the got the vibe. Uh, we have Kevin O'Connor. Kevin J. O'Connor. He's like a a regular for Stephen Summers. We just watched him and Peggy Sue got married, which was weird. Um, he's playing a character named Benny, which has got. This weird accent that's, I don't it there's some racial problems with this movie, some stereotyping that's not great. Mm-hmm. I'm not even sure what nationality he's supposed to be. Um, in the movie? I don't think the movie knows. Yeah. And there's actually a joke where he, like, is about to get attacked by the mummy, and he's, like, picking up various, like, uh, religious pendants and, like, saying religious things, different ones, to see if it's, like, the way to stop him from attacking and killing him. And that's kind of funny because it fits the character of, like, this guy doesn't care yes. about anything other yes. than, like, survival. Yes. So... Um, According to the Reddit fans, that is definitely one of the more rem- memorable scenes. It's funny. I think yeah. that's kind of funny. Where he's like, oh, here, I'm going to hold up a cross. Oh, here, I'm going to hold up this. Oh, here, now, I'm going to hold up this. It's very weird that this character then is like the sidekick to the CGI mummy for a little while. And it's, it's just odd. like, what is happening in this movie? But I don't hate that's it, what it That's what I we do. I don't hate it. Uh, we have uh, Jonathan Hyde, who plays like a... He's he, like another Egyptologist. He you recognize him from like Anaconda, Richie Rich, Dad, uh, lots of stuff. That guy's in a ton of movies. You want me to keep going, Tyler? That's pretty much it, isn't it? Um, there. Oh, the Oh Dead Fear is like the desert warrior guy. Yeah, and which, I did read. I did read something that like his character was supposed to have like a bunch of tattoos, but then uh, the director saw him and was like, Mm-mm, "We are not covering up that gorgeous face with tattoos." 
He's a handsome man. He is a handsome man. Yeah. His, uh, I, I don't understand the, the character whatsoever, but, uh, no, yeah. <laughs> no. And all of that is just, uh, he's a, he's a terrible, if Rachel Vice's character is a really bad Egyptologist and he is a terrible leader of his tribe because uh-huh. yep. man, he gets everybody killed. <laughs> yep. Him and Rachel Vice are responsible for all the death of this movie. Not the mummy. Uh, those two characters. The mummy's just doing what he does. Yeah. That's what he does. He didn't fail. He was just doing Okay, what he, does. he does unleash a lot of plagues that kill a lot of people. But Fine. The, but that's because of was, Rachel Weisz. And he was designed to do that. He's just doing what he's, he's designed to do. He's just doing this do. thing, right? Yeah. Uh, the last person I'll mention is Eric Avari. He plays like uh, her boss in the thing and then oh, also yeah. shows up. He's, he's, he's in a lot he's of stuff. He's in a lot of though. stuff. He's a recognizable dude. It's kind of one of those guys. He, like, like one of those, hey, that guy kind of deal. Yeah. Same with the, the guy whose only character trait is that he's stinky. Which is oh, not is very terrible. unfortunate, but he's a pretty familiar guy too. Um, but he gets dispatched relatively quickly. Um, yeah, yeah, a lot of like Middle Eastern stereotyping going on here. That's not great. Mm-hmm. Um, probably chiefly with that one character who is like the one who's imprisoned Brendan Fraser at the beginning and like only agrees to let him go because he wants treasure and he smells. That's pretty much yeah, the whole. not not a fan of that. And it's the accent work around the movie is not great. And a lot of the f- killing fodder is either these American bozos, which is kind of funny, and. Uh, just random Middle Eastern people that just get killed because, like, well, we need some fodder to kill. And then yeah. just kind of, like, even the Egyptologist Jonathan Hyde's character is like, yeah, we just need some people to, like, uh, open stuff so they get burned alive. And these characters are so flippant about every death in this movie. They're just Except like, for one, which Meh. is really weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the, the old white colonial take. Oh, God. So throughout right. this yeah, movie, yeah, yeah, yeah. everybody dies except for like anybody. See, everybody dies once they have nothing to do in the next scene, essentially. That's, that's, that's pretty true. much except for John Hanna, who somehow just survives because. But everybody else, they like her boss comes back only to serve a function and then die. The Americans are only there to open the thing to have you fodder and for the mummy to gr- grow his thing again. Yeah. So then they die when they're not necessary. Stephen Summers is clearly not good about like. He's like, what should we do with this character? Uh, dead. Him. Even Oded Fear, like, his purpose runs out. So they're like, oh, we'll kill him off screen. But like, oh, no, we'll fake it out so he could be alive at the end. But like, he just Why? disappears until the end, right? Yeah. He, his function was done. <laughs> like, so that's what they do. With the exception of there is one scene in the middle of the movie that introduces this pilot, this old man pilot who's mad that there's no more fighting to go on. Brandon Frazier's his friend. Yeah, he's who drunk. Who's that old guy? Brendan Fraser is his random friend, and he's in the movie for this one scene, and you're just like, this scene is only here to bring this guy back for something else later. Bernard Fox is his name. That's a great name. So after this chaotic escape from the a street riddled with like zombified uh, people, Imhotep followers, right? They're escaped into the sewers. It's very hectic. Rachel Weiss's uh, boss has been killed. It's They've kidnapped her. It's urgent. Next cut to daylight scene where they're just like leisurely driving up to this airfield. And they're like, hey, old guy we met at the bar that one time. We could use a lift. And he's like, oh, I can't wait for an adventure. He flies. We have the sandstorm thing. He crashes. They see him and he starts to sink. And it's he's, like this He's slow, like unconscious and or dead. Maybe dead. We don't know. He's just unconscious. He could just be unconscious. So then it sinks. And then we have this like the only time this movie ever pauses for someone's death where Brendan Fraser seems sad. He salutes him. And there's like some trumpeting twilight like, sad music playing. And it's just As like the plane sinks into the sand. Well, that guy that had two minutes of screen time gets to be treated like a person, but nobody else does. It's yeah. very, very strange. It was so bizarre. Now to be fair, there's not a lot, everybody else in the movie that dies is supposed to be kind of unlikable. And so maybe that's why he's the only one that we're supposed to like, I guess, because the Americans are meant to be 
very either selfish or dumb, dumb American. Yeehaw. They're very cowboyish, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, everybody else is kind of just meant to be fodder because we don't like them, right? Mm -hmm. So maybe that's the only reason that it gets a little bit more attention, but... It's a character that's barely introduced, so whatever. Maybe it's because he played the captain in the Titanic the year before. Two he years did? before. I didn't recognize that. Maybe no, not. he didn't. That's uh, he he played, Victor Garber. Okay, not Captain. He played Colonel Archibald Gracie. He's a guy in the in the dining room, right? He is also a voice in uh, The Rescuers Down Under. Okay. Victor Garber is the t- captain of the yeah, Titanic, I, right? Yeah, I said Colonel. I just can't read. Okay. This um, is... The Mummy was that old guy. is one of his last things he did, though. So, um... God, this movie, this movie really only exists for action. And that's the point of that is like we get, it's just, okay. One thing I wanted to make a comment about is like how much, like what a PG-13 is in 1999 compared to like even 10 years prior. Yeah. It is a very violent movie. Now it's not, it's bloodless. Uh Uh-huh. Right. But it's just like so much death implied impalements, implied stabbings. And then even in the beginning of the movie, you get, it's not technically nudity, but my God, it feels like nudity. Like the old story of the, the, his beloved, Imhotep's beloved princess or lover, right? Mm -hmm. She is wearing like this nude dress that, or she's painted gold. It It is. is awesome. Uh, Yeah, it is. It's just like, you're just like, this seems, this seems like pornography. (laughs) And and as a teenager, I was like, this is awesome. She's so hot. And what is this outfit she's wearing? And I, I'm allowed to watch this. This is great. It is very like aggressively sexy. So we did watch this with our kids. No, we didn't. We didn't watch this. We didn't watch them. It's too violent. No, we did not let them watch this. No, we watched this at night. We had to watch it over the course of two nights because you fell asleep. Definitely fell asleep. Okay. Yeah. Good thing we didn't watch it with our kids because yeah, not appropriate. No, but it is, uh, yeah, it, it, that's a lot. But then, like, so that, it feels like nudity, but it's not. And then it's, like, and and then it's just, like, violence upon violence, which is just wild. Yeah. Um, I was going to see what now. the, you know, those uh, common sense media people said about this. Oh, they this. probably didn't love it. Um, but, see, then you jump to the scene where we are introduced to Brendan Fraser and Benny, and they're in a battle at this temple. Mm-hmm. And... There's just this massive attack and this battle and then like some sand shakes and they get they get pushed away. And it, the purpose of it is to only establish that they had those two characters have been there before. So then it, it just randomly cuts to three years later. It just feels like when it when it plays out like that, you understand why like you want those two characters to know where the city is. Mm-hmm. But like it doesn't. You have no idea what's going on. <laughs> They're just having a battle. And you're just like, is this only here so we can have a battle on a cool set? And I'm like, I'm not mad at that because it is like a cool, like, uh, exterior Egyptian set. Mm-hmm. But it is like just an example of like, okay, we need some backstory for why they're there. Let's have a gigantic action scene with, like, hundreds of extras attacking each other. That's how we'll do the exposition yeah, in really this story. It's really bizarrare. It doesn't tell you Even what's happening. Even the intro is so, like, big. It's just like, here is... I mean, it gets even bigger in the sequel, right? When we have a whole Scorpion King, like... Uh, revolution that's taken place over the span of two minutes, but like it is so much crammed into, like the way that this movie dispels plot is like through uh, millions of dollars worth of action. Yes. Can I read you what parents need to know according to Common Sense Media? Uh, yeah, that's great. I love their opinions on things. Yeah, we don't care about their opinions, but this is pretty accurate. Okay. Parents need to know that the Mummy, in agreement with you, Tyler, is mm-hmm. an extremely violent 1999 movie. It is. Men are killed by gunfire. Yeah. Sword oh, yeah. wounds. There's so much gun killing. Can people, this is all. This is mowing down. This is a massacre. Sword wounds. Yeah. Fatal acid. Yeah. Insect bites. Yeah. And numerous magical plagues. There's virtually no blood or gore. Yeah. And much of the violence is directed toward the undead, whose bones shatter when struck with swords or fists. In a series of scenes, many characters, including the lead, drink shots of bourbon whiskey. Oh, oh no. no. <laughs> Two characters have an affair. 
and the woman's bare bottom is visible. A man yeah. stumbles drunk throughout the film, and another vocally lusts after the whiskey. Swearing includes bitch and bastard. Ooh. <laughs> oh my god, this... The, ooh. the swearing. That's ooh, the thing. ooh. But I guess that's where my, my brain is. Like, you know, I can parent my opinion on language and sexuality or nudity or whatever we think is prudish right but like the way that this country has gotten away with violence by just like removing the blood is so bizarre because like these there's hundreds of people getting shot and killed in this movie yeah and that's like disturbing in real world especially given how like we've what's gone on right but like it's just so like and but that's it's not just this movie it's just like every movie a pg-13 we're just able to like get away with it because we're like no blood yeah there's so many parents that are like ooh, they can't say fuck but bullets to the middle of the head is fine I mean, so even the, there's no blood. Even the prevalence of, like, you know, the most popular movies in the world right now are, like, it's fine because like, Thor and Shang-Chi are, like, use swords and hammers. But, like, Captain America, like, runs around with a shield and he also shoots people. And it's just, like, it's kind of crazy if you think about it that way. Yeah, it's pretty intense. Kind of intense. Um, anyway. Yeah, so it's very violent. Random aside. But, uh, but yeah, um, I don't know. There's so many goofy things about this movie. But I will say that, like, Brendan Fraser is the glue that keeps it together because he's so like he will read every dumb line with a plum he just kind of goes for it and mm-hmm. i just i appreciate that and mm-hmm. it he has kind of a he's a tall dude i think he's very dashing um and kind of can pull that off and he can kind of pull off like the i mean even there's a line later in the movie when he's fighting off the this is my favorite scene in the movie is just when he's fighting off like the minion mummies because it's just like fodder bone minion mummies like skeleton guards oh yeah 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 like and they're chasing him very old schoolish i know there's some cgi but there's also some like in you know some real uh, makeup and stuff going on here a little bit and like it's just so dumb <laughs> Because then he, like, turns to... He's trying to rescue uh, Rachel Weiss, And he just goes... He, like, shrugs his shoulders and, and like, flips his sword over his shoulder. And he goes, mummies, right? Mummies, <laughs> like, <laughs> right? It's just so stupid. But, like, for him, it works. Um, and so he kind of just brings it brings it along for... Like, it tells you that it's you're not supposed to take it too seriously, I think, is really yes. what it is. My favorite action scene in the movie is mm. when they're on the boat. Yeah, which is very old school. Um, it's just like an extra scene where uh, Oded Fears guys continuously attack them, and multiple people are getting killed. When all they really need to do is maybe have like maybe two conversations. Yes, they do try to warn them, but like the but way that clearly he... like don't talk to me fucking riddles. So these guys are supposed to be guarding the tomb to make sure nobody's screwing around and letting them mummy out, right? Yes. Okay, there are ways to do that that and are better been, than this. <laughs> they've been doing it for three thousand years, and all of a sudden, because a couple of people are coming, like so. You already have a bunch of people who are kind of on board. Now, Rachel Weiss doesn't believe in, like, like actual, like, voodoo-y, supernatural stuff, right? Yeah. But, like, all the other people, like, they seem, like, receptive to, like, hearing about, like, booby traps and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, like, rather than attacking them and being, like, stay away, like, say, hey, we're trying to save you and the rest of humanity. So, like, we these are things you can't do. For example, if you go to the place and you go looking for this book, don't take that book. Don't read. Don't read from, from the, book. the book. Like, if you're going to... To give them warnings, be specific. So at mm-hmm. least then you don't fuck up and do something really terrible. But instead, they're just like killing each other for like four different scenes to the point where o- Oded Fair finally like leaves and says like you have one more day. That's only after he's like lost like half of his men. It's like, dude, this is not effective. Yeah, <laughs> like you need to try some other form You're of. You're not doing here. a good job. But anyway, you were describing how they're coming after him on the boat. 
Oh yeah, I just—it's just a lot of goofball stuff. I—I I like how flippant that Brendan Fraser treats Benny in this movie. He like throws <laughs> yes. him off the boat. Yes. He's always just kind of like taking taking him physically taking his body and just like chucking it places. There's bullets that are like dodging his head because he's you know he's not moving the thing. Like this is kind of where you get a little bit of this uh, heat between Fraser and Whites, who are like there's like this like old school like. 30s adventure little romance here and it like Rachel Weiss is playing a character who is bookish but like not incompetent which I think is good like she does become like a damsel at the end which is unfortunate but she doesn't have a that little air. bit yeah well she gets tied to the thing and they have to rescue her right well I he's mean, a fucking superpower villain but I mean there's a little bit of that going on but um you know like she's she's a little bit more interesting than a normal lead I think the way that she even kind of like is presented with her very severely curly hair, um, her accent. All of it is just very not of 1999, mm-hmm. and it makes it interesting. It's kind of magnetic. You're just like, who is this like lady? <laughs> Who's from 1979? Yeah, but it like set in the 30s or whatever, yeah. or 20s, and it's just like it just kind of speaks to her. I think uh, appeal as a as a star on screen. I think that's why yep. she's good in other things too. And she has a vibe that you like. Yeah, we're introduced to her right away. She's knocking over. All the bookshelves in a, in a circle, which is just like, why are they arranged this way? <laughs> but you, you, that's what this movie is. It's a series of ga- visual, yeah. giant visual gags or aggressive violence. <laughs> um, another one of people's favorite quotes from this movie that it was not a part of mine, but might have to be is like, hey, Benny, looks to me like you're on the wrong side of the river. Mm-hmm. People love that quote and they why? use it all the time because it's funny. It's kind of like... Because he says... Because Benny goes, looks like we got all the horses. And he's uh-huh. like, looks like you're on the wrong side of the river. Yeah, hey, Benny, it looks to me like you're on the wrong side of the river. There is a line of dialogue in here that we quote all the time, you and I, yeah. for some reason. Because didn't we didn't even... see this movie together. Uh, but we did watch eventually. it together. Eventually. Yeah. Um, but it's a dumb line. It's stupid. But... I didn't even realize it was from this movie. <laughs> it was like, patience is a virtue. And then Brendan Fraser goes, not right now. No, it it's isn't. just so dumb. It's so dumb. And I think it's like... <laughs> But you know what's well, we funny? say it all the time. As I was reading around, like that's another one that people just like picked up and. So touched. what is the deal with this movie? Because like I am this person too. I'm just like yeah. I am forgiving of this kind of bad movie. Okay, so I've got two things I want to talk about. Yeah. One, with my my redditness, just for the Reddit people out there, is someone asked the question like, is is the Mummy one of those movies that nobody dislikes? That like it like the question was, do you know anybody? who just outwardly says, like, I don't like The Mummy. I think if you showed it to them now, without uh-huh. seeing it before, there would be lots of people that wouldn't like but The like Mummy. But, like, people who saw it. Yeah, it's one of those that was just an unlikely hit, too. Like, I mean, it people made just money. like it. And if people have something negative to say, it's about the sequels. Like, people will say, like, well, one was good, okay. but then... That's the other thing, too, because The Mummy Returns is so bad, mm-hmm. like, that it makes this one look great. Van Helsing is so bad because it makes this look great. I think The Scorpion King is this... People lump the Scorpion King into that, but it yes. is um, it is more of like a adventure, not supernatural. Yeah, and it's it's goofy in its own way, but it's kind of fun. It's early Dwayne Johnson when he wanted to be charismatic on screen, so that's good. Um, and then Dragon of the Tomb Emperor, which came out like eight years after the last sequel, Damn and it. has I don't never don't even know what it you're has talking about. Jet, you didn't see it. It has Jet Li as a new mummy, no Arnold Vosloo. Rachel Vice said no. They brought in. Um, the lady from History of Violence. 
Maria Bello to play oh. Vivian. They didn't recast. They didn't change the character. They just recast Vivian. Oh, awkward. And it is a truly, truly terrible movie. It's made not by Stephen Summers. It's made like Rob Cohen or whatever. It's awful. Bad, bad, bad. It's bad. There's like Yetis, which you think I'd be into. Yeah. But, uh, okay. Next thing I want to talk about mm-hmm. is our segment called What Would Roger Say? You're supposed to sing it with me. Say. Okay. Uh, this is where we talk about what Roger Ebert said about it. When he wrote about it. How many stars he gave it. What did he think about it? How many stars did he give it, Tyler? I think this is a period where we're we're entering into Roger Ebert forgiveness, like being like cool with everything mode. So I'm going to say three stars. Okay. It was three stars. (laughs) And when I read his first paragraph, I just think, am I dating Roger Ebert? You know, not dating, but you know, like when we started dating. He was a sexy man. He was. Okay. (laughs) So I'm going to read his first paragraph right out the gate. Mm -hmm. There is within me an unslaked hunger for preposterous adventure movies. Mm -hmm. I resist the bad ones, but when a Congo or an anaconda (laughs) comes along, my heart leaps up and I cave in. The movie is a movie like. The Mummy is a movie like that. There's hardly a thing I can say in its favor, except that I was cheered by nearly every minute of it. I cannot argue for the script, the direction, the acting, or even The Mummy, but I can say that I was not bored, and sometimes I was unreasonably pleased. (laughs) There is a little immaturity stuck with, stuck away in the crannies of even the most judicious of us, and we should treasure it. Yeah, that's kind of what The Mummy is. It's a movie that's not defendable, and yet you're like, eh, I kind of like it. Uh, and then he just rips it apart. Yeah. <laughs> like, just, like, picks it apart, right? And then again just comes at, like, look, art, this isn't great trash. It isn't good trash. It is. It's not quite up there with Anaconda, but it's as much fun as Congo and The Relic, which I don't think I've seen. got a good do. Um, and it's better than Species. If yeah. those four titles are not intimately familiar to you, The Mummy might not be the place they are, for you to start. Uh, that is pretty much right. It is better than Species. It's kind of in line with Congo. So it's like, what? Who? What, how? Tyler, this, this is you. That's what you... The other thing I was yeah. going to say is that um, there is a little... It, there's nostalgia. Before nostalgia was like served so aggressively nowadays there was nostalgia baked into this in ways that are i wouldn't say subtle but like compared to nowadays it is subtle this is you know it's taking a universal monster property it is mm-hmm. using elements of that plot i mean yeah. you know like the mummy has to reach yeah, I mean, like a little bit take some of those elements right a bite or two and yeah. then it, it it is aggressively aping on indiana jones right a, yes. a thing that if you're a product of the 80s or you know grow grew up at any point after the 80s you know indiana jones as being like oh rip roaring adventure cheesy serials, yes. which is that 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 and that in itself was inspiration from like the old series of serials uh, of like the 20s and stuff like that so all of this stuff is just kind of baked through pop culture from this beginning of of movie dumb and mm-hmm. storytelling and like you know, like little Saturday morning cartoon, like all of this stuff is just like a little boy's little fantasy world, right? Totally. And so when you bake it into something like this, like, you, and you put the right actor in it, which I think is what they did with Brendan oh, Fraser. perfect casting. Um, you get that vibe, mm-hmm. you know? I think you, you just get this thing that you're just like, this is like this, because like, I was watching it with a critical eye of just being like, this scene's kind of bad. This scene doesn't make any sense. Yeah. This scene, but then I'm just like, yeah, but I mean, I but like I'm this But I'm kind movie. of enjoying it. Yeah, it's like, I like where we're going. I get it, you know? <laughs> Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's intriguing. Um, and to be direct, he, so Stephen Summers isn't like our age. He's like an old guy. Yeah. Yeah. He's like 20 years older than us. But I mean, even an example of that, you're just like some of the choices in his movie, like they tell 
they're trying to like stop the mummy from sucking these Americans' bodies up so they become all powerful. And by the way, we didn't even talk about this. This only reason this happens is because one, the other team takes the book or whatever. But Evelyn, Rachel no, Vice, no, no, hold on. The only the reason this happens is when the dude cheats on or takes this girl they decide hey let's punish this guy oh that's a terrible decision why would you punish him this way they're like oh he gets a fate worse than death that seems like all set up for him to come back and cause and problems like, later oh yeah he'll he'll be buried alive and eaten by beetles but oh, just kill him regular so none of this happens when he comes back he'll have the power to rain down the 10 curses yeah. of what that's hubris fuck? man you just gotta like kill that guy regular right <laughs> if you're mad at him kill him regular don't do all this extra stuff it's unnecessary and it causes trouble later yeah Later, it's, later, living like 3,000 years, but still, you know, don't do it. It's comical. Go ahead. No, I Rachel mean, Rachel Vice the really only fucks reason, up. She doesn't think that any, like, curses are real, so she just decides to read from, like, the Book of the Dead or whatever, which so unleashes this mm-hmm. curse. Now, granted, Oded Fear should have told him, like, hey, if you do get the look, don't get the book, but if you're going to, like, go in there and get the book, please don't read from it because it's going to be really bad. Mm-hmm. No, she just does it anyway and unleashes. I mean, virtually everything the mummy does is because she just foolishly, even the other Egyptologists who are supposed to hate because he's a dick mm-hmm. and, like, lets, like, fodder get killed all the time or whatever, yeah. even he, like, realizes when the book gets taken from him, like, no, you shouldn't read from the book. Yeah, he shouts it, but. But then, because all the other characters get punished for her choice, even though, like, you know, they're the ones that, because it was, it's this convoluted thing where. The, the Americans and that guy were the ones that opened the the one tomb or whatever, the one book. And, and stole the little containers with the organs. And the extra part of this is that Brendan Fraser, well, John Hanna took a thing from Brendan Fraser because he got it from the city, which is like the little key locky thing mm-hmm. to open the book. And mm-hmm. it's just like, none of this, you just don't read from things. So like I love it. I love also how like the mummy is super, 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 super afraid of cats. Yes. And <laughs> but it's then used at to, one point. To scare it off, right? Yeah. And so then there's only one of these Americans left. One. And they're using a cat. Yeah, one left. That if he if he gets to finish this eating this guy, he becomes a full mummy who's going to murder the world. Everybody. So they this have all a cat. Rests, this all rests on the keeping cat, one he, dude alive. He gets away. He runs away when he sees the cat. Yeah. And then it's time to leave. And what do they do? They leave the cat behind. And then they take just, the cat with you. And they just put this guy in the back of a truck. Like, hang on, dude. And then he falls off immediately. <laughs> no, it's like, how about he holds the cat? Yeah. Yeah. Problem solved. Well, all of that is super funny because, like, yeah, the cat, like, keep the cat. That clearly is a nice stool. <laughs> and then earlier, before that, they're like, oh, you know, oh, you know, he if he goes and kills these people, like he'll unleash his power. So one guy suggests, like, we should just kill these guys. Yeah. And, like, no, the answer is yes, of course do that. Like, they're going to die anyway. Yeah. Like, why would you unleash a curse? You can stop this right now just by, like, putting a bullet in these Americans? At least after verifying after one gets eaten. Oh, yeah. And he's, like, clearly too powerful. He's stronger. Like, okay, we have evidence. Especially if you're going to leave one... Like, like the the Egyptologist just hanging around Cairo, walking around, doing no security. Another guy leaves the windows wide open as if that's not going to cause a problem. Yep. Rachel Weisz is in trouble because the mummy thinks that, like, she looks like his wife, right? He's hot for her, yeah. So they tell her to stay put in the place where they leave the window open. And then she decides that she's going to just take a nap. Yeah, she's like, she's so chill. Yeah. She co- she's like, like, I've seen a bunch of people murdered. I've seen a lot of traumatizing And this stuff. is kind of where it goes back to the old movie because <laughs> there's like a scene where like, the she, yeah, no, but like, why she are you sleeping? She takes a peaceful nap in the middle of the she fucking day. She puts a nightgown on. <laughs> oh, it's delightful. She yeah. must be very, very worn out. I yeah. mean, wow. And it, she only puts a nightgown on to like be in like a nightgown for when it's she gets little, tied to the thing, right? Yeah. It's all kind of like sexual in nature a little bit. Yeah. I'm not mad at it. I know you're not. But, <laughs> but it's curly weird. hair. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's just a bizarre, and yet, you know, uh, 
was kind of a fun movie. I like I liked how the beetle crawled into the guy's shoe. Yeah, and then all over his body, and then and then ate him. And Stinky him. guy. That was a, that was terrifying. It happens again to John Hanna, but they cut it out of him, which is gross. Which is cool. Um, when it gets into the tomb stuff, that's where I really like it because that's very Indiana Jones. You get like sets that look like tombs. You get the bone guys attacking them. I like that because they once see the one thing I like about the mummy is kind of the visual look of the mummy, and that's gone after a little while. And honestly, of the CGI, like, his early forms of CGI aren't the worst. It doesn't look too bad. Mm -hmm. Um, It's more of the... The sand face doesn't look great anymore. It looks really bad in the water. The water from the sequel, because he does, like, a water... Because everything in that movie is just amped up more. So, like, well, we're not going to do a sand face this time. We're going to do a water face this time. Also, that movie added a a kid to go whoopee a bunch. Whoopee! Mummy! Because they have a kid. Oh, my goodness. And so, yeah, that movie's terrible. But In my mind, my brain was just mixing up some scenes from uh, Moon Knight. Moon Knight, yeah, which, which is very much vibing on Egyptian yeah, lore. Yeah, because there are some scenes where they go into, like, a pyramid and then some why things I like Moon come Knight alive bit, and start chasing yeah. them. Um, so, yeah, I was sort of mixing that up. They do the same kind of deal. Yeah, I like Moon Knight because of that same kind of deal. I like this uh, world, this, this science fiction, like, historical world of... Yeah. Uh, of uh, mummies and uh, tombs and yeah, tomb cool. raiding, although I don't care for any tomb raiding no. movies. Um, yeah, agree with that. I haven't seen, like... See, every now and again, they try it. Like, they make money, though. Like, a movie this year came out called Uncharted, which is based on a video game, which is very, like, Indiana Jones vibey. And it has, like, Mark Wahlberg and Tom Holland. And it was, like, a big hit. And I haven't seen it, and I'll see it eventually when it goes to Netflix, but, like, uh, it looks aggressively, like whatever and yet these kind of movies they tend to make money hmm. so that's why we ended up with three mummy movies do you remember going to universal studios i think the, the it's they've it's been just decommissioned there was the mummy ride and brendan fraser would introduce yeah. it yes i do i remember actually going on it mm-hmm. it's kind of a fun ride it has a little um, bit of that it's it's when little, was this honeymoon uh, it has that Indiana Jones ride vibe where, but it seems, it was, seemed like it was a little bit more intense. Like it was, there was a little bit more roller coaster element to it, I think. Did they have it in the California one too? No, no. Well, yeah, I think so. And it's a Universal Studios, but I don't know if it's been defunct or not. Cause I know they've been switching out things that are more modern. It looks uh, like it's still, still in there. It's gotta be near the end because there's been no mum Like they don't like to have things that On don't have revenge out. of the mummy ride. Yeah. That's a fun, I thought it was a fun ride. <laughs> Yeah. I remember that was one of those that we, because we had that, uh... Is it just a ripoff of the Indiana Jones ride, I though? think it's more intense. I think there's a little bit more of a roller coaster element to the the mummy ride than the Indiana Jones one, yes. But, like, the like the dinosaur ride at Animal Kingdom is very much like the Indiana Jones ride, too, because you're on, like, a bumpy track with animatronics. But I feel like the mummy one has more roller coaster elements. I think it, I thought it was fun. Oh, yeah. Okay, I'm looking, at, I'm looking it up and looking at some pictures. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good ride. At least I remember it being a good ride. Haven't been anything like that in a while, but, um, yeah. Um, I don't know. Is there anything to really say about the mummy that we haven't touched on other than, like, it's dumb but also kind of fun? It's totally fun. It's totally dumb. Um, the look of it, the graphics are, uh, do look terrible, but I think it's forgivable. I don't know. I think if, I feel like it looks fine. I feel like it looked good in 1999. It did. I remember, like, there was, like, you know, they they would do, like, little... TV puff pieces about, like, look at the special effects on the mummy face and all that other stuff, you know? Um, Benny, like, gets... That gets killed off. Who cares? He's stealing... He's trying to get more gold. He gets, like, a dumb little moment. The thing is, like, he's almost got away. 
He almost got away, he but just, just greed. You know. No. Oh, the other thing I wanted to mention was like they they escape. Oded Fear just randomly pops up and again. Hey guys, I'm alive. Yeah. Like okay, we had a nice battle where we killed multiple members of our party, but cool. See you later. Um, but then they like decide. To, so one, they take um, one of Benny's camels, which is loaded with gold. Mm-hmm. But they. Oh yeah. So then they leave with two camels. It's John Hanna, Rachel yep. Vice, and Brendan Fraser. And because Brendan Fraser and Rachel Vice are in love now, mm-hmm. she's in his lap, like across. Like it's very hero shot, right? Yes. And they take two camels, Not even three. though there's several camels out available. Yep. And. They've, the camel's already weighed down by a bunch of gold. A bunch of gold! So not only are you going to tell me that you're just going to... It's a long trek. Yeah. It's going to take you more, maybe a day, maybe two. Yeah. Uh, you're going to sit on this fucking... You're going to... You guys are so in love, you're going to sit on each other. You're going to let it's, her sit on your lap the whole time. It's fucking hot as shit. It's mean to the camel. You it's are, too much weight. Yeah. When we watched this, we were making comments about this, and I was like, these guys are just assholes. You, they are huge assholes. You take four camels minimum. Yep. One for the gold. Yep. One for each person. And yeah. if you want to ride together for a little bit, fine, and give that camel a break. But don't make... Don't, that's too much work You're for this camel. You're just a fucking You're asshole. You're an asshole. You're not even thinking about other people. Obviously, we saw the evidence of this when multiple people were murdered and Everybody's you didn't dead. give a shit. Like, and if there was like any kind of effective police work being done in Cairo, she was going to get arrested immediately when she gets back into town because she's responsible. She's oh, read like, from the book. A lot of people died. Like the other Egyptologist, that dickhead, he's got family who's just like, what? So my husband knows that you're not supposed to read from the book. So I want to know what happened. And she's like, well, yeah, I'm going to read for the book. And at least, at the very least, that way is slapping the shit out of her. Yeah. And then she's going to the authorities and being like, this pl- do you know all the plagues that just happened everywhere and thousands of people died and everybody turned into zombies or whatever? It's her fault. Yeah. Do something. And then, Tons of fun. And then Peter's going to get on their ass for the camel treatment. Yeah, the animal, the animal protection people there. Yeah, I don't in know, 1920. I don't know what's going on very much and whatever, <laughs> but... And yeah, oh, and it's just, you're right though. It's the 20s or 30s and there's an opportunity to blame a woman for something. Like, that's obviously, people are going to do that. They're, They're going like, to be like, she's a fucking witch. Throw her in jail. She's a witch. We do that now. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> All right, well, this has been an episode of The Mummy from 1999. A movie we can't defend and yet we kind of like. Yeah, you can trash it and enjoy it. <laughs> it's like the perfect one to go um, back to. And I think that's the thing because unlike The Mummy Returns is a movie that is not very fun to watch. It is very tedious and doesn't yeah. have any of the same good vibes. Yeah. Like everything just gets worse. Yeah. It teeters the line the other way. And not The Mummy sequel, though. Mummy's good. Brendan Fraser. Oh, did you want to talk about the new one with Tom Cruise? Oh, not really. Did other you? than like I saw it. Yeah. It is doesn't have any resemblance to uh, these movies whatsoever. It At that is, point, just call it a different movie. It's a mess. It very clearly was, you know, I think Tom Cruise took a hold of it once it was, like, clearly a mess and tried to fix it and add more, like, spectacle action. But none of it works. Like, you even have, like, Russell Crowe popping up. Because this is when they were trying to do their dark universe, mm, where mm-hmm. all, like, the universal monsters were going to come together. Wolfman was that the Benicio Del Toro one. And they were going to have all this again. And, well, the mummy failed so badly that all that got scrapped, right? But yeah, Russell Crowe shows up as like this older Van Helsing for like a scene and it's just goofy as shit. Like, oh, it's not a good film uh, whatsoever. It has this thing where also um, there's a giant plane. Like the movie was marketed on this giant plane crash, mm-hmm. which is just like this. And they call it The Mummy and you're just like, why is this movie called The Mummy? In the middle of it just looks like a Mission Impossible scene, right? Oh. And then like a lot of the marketing also had Jake Johnson from like New Girl in there. Oh, I like him. Yeah. And here's the thing about that. A spoiler alert for The Mummy. 
His character dies in that plane crash. <gasps> what? And then he's like a ghost that oh, talks to fuck, Tom Cruise no. for the rest of the no, movie. No, no, it no. It is fucking weird. You know, I remember seeing the trailer for that and being like, I don't need to. Yeah, it's just not good. And yeah. it's like, I, I would even watch the other two bad sequels of The Mummy than watch that mummy again. Well, that just goes to show you. Yeah. And The Scorpion King, I think, is better than all of them. Which, but it's not really a mummy movie, so whatever. It has Michael Clark Duncan in it. We love him. Michael Clark Duncan. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Poor guy. Mm-hmm. He's been gone a long time now. But he was good and stuff. Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening. This has been an episode of The Mummy from 1999. We. This has been an episode of The Mummy? Yeah. It's been an episode of Old Millennials Rumor Movies. This has been an episode where we watched the talked about the mummy. Thanks for listening to Old Millennials Remember Movies where Tyler is an asshole just like these characters in the mummy. Bye. Talk to you another movie. Bye. I'm going to put you on a camel and let you ride on my lap. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs>